welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man whose midnight releases have also attracted an unusually high number of participants. Mr. Lord Baumgarten, Lauren! <laughs> What's up, Brent Adams? What's going on, man? How? How? How about those how? midnight releases? How, how did we get to something? I, I think we're around 225 shows now. Yeah. How do we get through 225 shows before you made a joke about midnight release? I don't know. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, though. Oh, my. Seriously? So... I want you guys to know that if I make a pun, Brent actually physically reaches through the screen and grabs yeah. my throat. I'm allowed one a year. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That you was just the, you uh, just blew your load, buddy. <laughs> it just keeps coming. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, it won't stop. Oh, oh my god! Oh, it won't no, I stop. Have to, I have to shower with the letter opener. <laughs> ah, <laughs> scrape it off. Uh, that's all right. Brad. We should I, we should get out of this and into the garage as quickly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> um, that, you know, it's appropriate. I think it's it's Fallout Week. Uh, I, I think it's okay to be a little excited. It's it's a week where paper towels are getting passed around quite a uh, bit. That's exactly right. We're going to talk about that later and a little bit in the garage. Brent, should we uh, should we head into the garage, please? Yes. Yes. So uh, starting us off this week, Brent, in the garage. There's there wasn't a ton of news this week. But no. we do have a few things, and the first is the full list of Xbox 360 backwards compatible launch games. Yeah. Brent, do you care? No, I know you don't care. No, I um, do, actually. I, I do care. Oh, I mean, I, I'm not invested as an Xbox, as a person who does not own an Xbox One. I don't have the same investment, but I do care because, uh, you know, as I was reading over on Games Radar, they talked about the fact that that like a third of these games are Xbox arcade titles. And obviously there's, there's some major triple a titles that are absent Red Dead. Uh, from, from the list. And Xbox does have a, they're, they're letting people vote on this, but like one of the, either the, or one of the highest requested games is like black ops two, not on the list. You know, not backwards compatible yet. That's not to say that they won't get there eventually, but it, it just, I'm, I'm very curious to see the people who are invested, who have the Xbox One, if they're satisfied with this, or if they think, okay, I'm glad we've got it, but now let's actually have some real games. I'm yeah, just, we I'm just kind of curious where that's landing with people. No, no, absolutely. And we did talk about it before, and I agree. I'd like to hear from those those listeners. The list is a 104 games long to start yeah. off with. Which, unfortunately, um, due to a bet that I lost this week, I will now read uh, all of those games in, <laughs> in a falsetto impression of Celine Dion. Okay, buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> that won't happen, people. I'll, I'll, I'll hit the uh, seven-second delay button before that happens. Um, uh, yeah, so it's 104 games to start off with. You know, we'll see where this goes over time. Obviously, the addition of some of those big games is going to make it more meaningful. Yeah. Um, you know, the big question is also, is, is it going to bring people that are still on the 360 over to the Xbox One, giving them the ability to play these old games? I, I don't know. Um, Presumably, if you're still on the 360, you're playing something that means a lot to you. Right. And so if that's the case, then it, it, I think it purely comes down to, is the thing you're still playing on 360 part of this list? Yeah, or will I, it be in the future? I mean, it's just well. I mean, people may not have have made the leap yet, be, you know, for financial reasons or yeah, that's true. 
You know what I mean? And so, I, I don't know. I'm curious. You know, people, there, there's a lot of conversation around backwards compatibility in the last generation, and people sure. were very upset about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how much of the audience, to how much of the audience it is meaningful, but I'd be curious to hear from those that actually care or don't care that have yeah. Xbox Ones. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what this does for Xbox versus Sony. Because, I mean, obviously, neither console had it when they launched, and, you know, Sony's, uh, you know, and Sony's got the edge at the moment. It'll be interesting to see. Well, and Xbox did say they've pretty much given up this generation. So yeah, uh, you know, but that's the thing. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Does does Microsoft catch up as this generation goes on? And, and do analysts look at that and say, well, backwards compatibility is a big part of the reason why Xbox caught Sony after X number of years? I don't know. True enough. All right. So uh, next up, Brent, we have uh, some news that's not really. It's sort of tied to the game, but unfortunately not as tied to the game as I would like. And that is right. uh, the announcement of a Witcher feature film planned for 2017 that they have already said will begin a series of that weren't specific film or and or TV shows. Yeah. Um, what I mean by it's not connected to the game is that CD Projekt Red uh, at this point has no connection to it whatsoever. It's just a film that's being made from the Witcher IP. Uh, which I think is based is on fant- based on the original short stories. Yes, that uh, that that many people have recommended to us, actually. Yeah, indeed. So I mean, I think it's fantastic. I think there's tons of Witcher fans out there that are going to want to go out and see the uh, exploits of Geralt of Rivia, in uh, you know, in cinematic form. Right. Um, so I think it's great news. I, I would love to see CD Projekt Red, you know, involved in it. I wonder if there'll be a tie-in Witcher Four eventually, or some Witcher Mobile, or maybe Gwent. For God's sake. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was like, they could they could fuck themselves with all this. I just want Gwent. That's right. Uh, but uh, what do you think, Brent? Do you care about this? Will you go, would you be? Are you interested enough in the the lore to to see a Witcher movie? Yes and no. I have had numerous people recommend the the the, the short stories, and I guess I guess that there's been some novels that have been published at this point as, as yep. well. I, I think I don't know if they're all written by the same guy, uh, Sapkowski, but um, I. I'm very interested in the idea of a film coming out based on this IP because people talk about how rich the lore is. And, I, I, you know, since I'm not, like, the biggest Witcher fan, I'm a big fan of Witcher 3, but, you know, didn't play the first two games to completion and that kind of thing, I actually think it might be somewhat advantageous to not have this be directly related to one of the games. So be, just because video game uh, video gamers are going to be the... Uh, they're they're going to be, obviously, a a big ticket audience for this potentially and not stepping on the toes of these very well-respected games might actually be a good thing. And going back to the source material, what originally inspired it all could actually be a, a really good, a, a really good move, a really good strategy. So I'm, I'm curious to check it out. I, I don't know whether or not to, to hope for too much or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm mildly interested. I'll, I'll be much more interested once, you know, we find out some casting news and, see a trailer and that kind of thing, which in theory, they're going to be getting on double quick because it's supposed to come out in 2017. Yeah, I guess there was a Witcher film made earlier too, Brent, which was apparently just absolutely awful. I think you can yeah. look that one up. They made a Fantastic uh, Four film uh, once upon a time that was really, really terrible. I can't remember when it came out. It seems like it was about two months ago, but anyway. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Actually, Tony and I were going to do that for an episode of the Drive Home Breakdown. We were going to do a comparison of this year's Fantastic Four with like the Roger Corman '90s Fantastic Four. Say which one's worse? Which one, really? You gonna throw some Hulks in there for good measure? 
I'll throw a fucking Hulk in the Witcher movie if I think it'll help. I mean, like, if, um, if it gets Ruffalo back on screen as the Hulk, I'll, I'll do it. I don't give all a right, fuck. All right, man. So next up I have, uh, this is on here. The first story, we have a couple Fallout 4 stories. The first one is on here just for shits and giggles yeah. because I thought this was hysterical. And the funny part, so first of all, Fallout is, of course, out now, and all the reviews came out on Monday of this week. Uh, the game has been purchased by many, and, and myself included, and we'll talk about it. But um, apparently Bethesda for... I, I don't know. Maybe this is common practice, and we just don't know about it right. for reasons I don't totally understand. Was th- there was actually an embargo on the review embargo? They yes. actually sent out an email to journalistic outlets saying we don't want you revealing what the review embargo is, which was Monday at eight a.m. Eastern. Right. We don't want you telling anybody uh, until Friday at ten a.m. Eastern that the review embargo is Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern. And it was... So the funny the funny thing here... So that in and of itself is so pretty funny. So on Friday, you're allowed to tell people... That they that can't have Monday, the reviews till Monday. They can have the review. That is correct. All right. Just, the, just so we're But clear. the actual funny thing here is Kotaku and Bethesda aren't really particularly good friends right now. Uh-huh. And so Kotaku did not get a review copy of Fallout. Um, and consequently, Kotaku got a hold of this email. And because they have no relationship with Bethesda... They don't give a shit. So they published this email like two days before yep. the actual embargo about the embargo came up, like on Wednesday or maybe it was Thursday just, morning. Just try I can't to remember. Bethesda a little bit. Which I thought was absolutely, uh, absolutely hysterical. And uh, uh, so I, I just thought I had to share this with everybody. I thought it was quite an amusing scenario. None of it matters. The reviews for the game have been overwhelmingly positive, but um, it's just the whole thing is is kind of funny. So. Along with that, Brent, uh, you had brought my attention to a story that Fallout 4 had set concurrent u- a, set a concurrent user's record on Steam. Twice, yeah. The story, this, because the story got updated. But after the game came out, uh, midnight shortly thereafter, I can't remember how long it took, but it surpassed Grand Theft Auto V's record and hit something like 390,000 concurrent users on Steam. And then sometime later... Uh, the story on Polygon got updated because they'd hit 440,000 concurrent users on Steam, a a new record. So yes, Fallout 4, very popular over on the Steam community, and from what I hear uh, on the consoles as well. Indeed it is, and we're going to talk more about that when we get to the what we're playing. So those of you that are hoping to hear about it this week, you will indeed hear about a, a little bit this week. So, mm. uh, Brent, in other news, something yep. I'm sort of conflicted about, Oh, yeah. is the fact that Remedy has... They didn't make an official announcement, but they essentially said very directly uh, that there is going to be an Alan Wake 2. At um, some point, they're going, to, they're going to do this. Right, and they didn't say... Right, they didn't say when, they didn't say they're working on it or anything like that. Right. But they did say that there is going to be an Alan Wake 2. And this was during an interview with Sam Lake from Game Informer. He was, And the interview itself is really just the Game Informer guy throwing questions at Sam Lake. And one of them was, will we get to play... Alan Wake too, and were his they, response were they was shaped like bricks or, or rocks. They they essentially were. They were yeah. half of them were were uh, meaningless, and he was trying to answer. It seemed as though the the, the um, construct was that every answer had to be one word or a short phrase. And so okay. when asked, "Will we get to play Alan Wake 2, Sam Lake looked directly at him and and without flinching said, "Yes." Okay. So this is big news. Um, not so big if it ends up only being an Xbox title. If it ends up on the PC, I'm very excited. I would love. Love, love them to revisit this IP and refine what they did. Me too. 
<laughs> you had better say that, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, so I'll, <laughs> I'll just roll with you on this one. Brett, Brett is less excited about Alan Wake 2 than he is about this next story. Yes, I am, because I'm very excited about this next story. And that Tell is, us about it. <laughs> you want to talk about something that's coming back. You want to talk about something that's backed by popular demand? That's Bob <laughs> Ross, motherfucker. That's the joy of painting. As everybody may or may not know at this point, Twitch launched uh, their Twitch Creative. Uh, it's uh, it's not a channel. I mean, it's like a bunch of channels, but like Twitch Creative is sort of like a new initiative for them that highlights not just video games or things related to games, but just people being creative on Twitch, which has kind of grown organically out of people doing that with their own shows and stuff. And somehow or another, somebody had the great idea that the, the best thing that they could do to kind of get the word out about Twitch creative was to run the entire, like the entire 31 seasons of Bob Ross's, the joy of painting, which if you are part of that generation, like Lauren and I, that, that grew up watching Bob Ross on TV, painting his happy little trees, then um, then you might have gotten a nostalgic thrill out of this. Well, anyway, the Twitch community has resoundingly voted that uh, that they, they don't need the, just this one big marathon. They need Bob Ross every week of the year, and so they're going to get that. Monday nights from 3 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., Twitch is now going to be uh, streaming The Joy of Painting, and they are also going to be doing an annual marathon on Bob Ross's birthday, which is October 29th. Uh, I actually sat down and watched a fair bit of this uh, with my daughter, and it was actually really interesting to see how engrossed she was by it. She found the joy of painting very, very interesting, which was good because she's been sick for the past few days and has basically been a demon and so <laughs> well, if the, finding something if, to calm her down has worked out really good. If anybody in the world is a baby whisperer, I would imagine that Bob Ross is. Oh, yeah. He could whisper a fucking great white shark. He could whisper a fucking great white shark into making friends with a, with a goddamn octopus and a grizzly bear. <laughs> All right, Brent. This is now the end of the segment where you have to somehow tie in the great Bob Ross to that disgusting midnight release crap you were doing at the opening of the show. Oh, well, come on. I mean, the titanium white. You don't think that's really paint, do you? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's awful. You asked for it. You oh. literally asked for it. Now you've ruined Bob Ross for me forever. Yeah. And we're back in the clubhouse. And, Brett, before we get into the topic this week, which is actually something one of our listeners had uh, pointed out to us a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a very interesting topic and certainly mm-hmm. very timely. Before we get into that, we did have a poll last week. Okay. How would you like to go over that for me? Uh, I'll go over it uh, like this, which is to say quick. We asked, is there a VR platform that you're favoring at the moment? 20% of you in fourth place said, I'm not all that interested in VR, despite your best efforts. Boo. In third place with 24%, you said console-based, narrowly edging that out with 25% PC-based. But 31% of you for the number one answer said, it's too soon to worry about. I'll worry about it when the hardware is released. Prudence. So, like, so 50% of you Prudence. guys said you don't give a shit. I don't think that's fair. But, right, we're gonna have we're gonna have a talk about this later too. Okay, so what are we gonna have a talk about right now? So, Brent, I, this is a really interesting topic. As I said, one of the listeners brought it up in in uh, the activity feed a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, not this particular. The the link we're linking to is actually a Reddit conversation. It was a post uh, posted by a Reddit user in a, in the ensuing conversation. But essentially, and, and you should check it out. The post is very short, but essentially the conversation uh, can be had just based on the uh, the title itself. And this was the concept that was. Uh, put forth by our listener, which is basically, have there been 
too many open world games this year and are you getting burnt out no and no next up uh, <laughs> oh great okay so that's the, we're done with the section no i i think this is really interesting because the fact is you know particularly as i looked at the games coming into the end of the year mm-hmm. uh you know the games i was sort of de- debating about what i wanted to play was i going to buy them uh and one particular gem that i want to return to of course the witcher 3 yeah. um but uh uh you know metal gear solid 5 assassin's creed syndicate mad max. just cause 3 mad max fallout, fallout 4. 4 i mean there there are Batman, and, and so night a, a ton of open world games has, and what, has there been a linear game this year outside of fucking call of duty um, I presume the single player campaign is not open world. Of Call of Duty, I don't. Yeah. You're, I, I would, I would presume that as well, but I wouldn't know because that would necessitate yeah. me playing it. it I, um, I never thought, I never thought I'd see the day where, <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day where people were like, "Man, I need, I need like some some corridor shooters in my life." Like, I we got to get back to those invisible walls, man. Well, let me tell you, I, so kind of, dying, we are kind of there. Dying Light was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Order 1886 was this year. Um, Is, well, that, that wasn't open world, was it? Uh, no, it was not. That's what I'm saying. You okay. asked for, for linear ones. Yeah, I'm but trying that to game think. Sucked. It. it doesn't count. No, no. I, I, when you talk about big game, Halo Five, uh, I think. The single player campaign is is a corridor shooter, essentially. Well, I think yeah, I don't know that for a, a fact. A linear shooter, we'll say. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider is open world, which uh, came out just this last week on Xbox One. Right. Um, which is to say, it doesn't count yet. Oh, you know, you know. Oh, see you know, what I did there? <laughs> oh, just you know what? Uh, you know what game did come out this year that was? Well, I don't know if you. It's certainly not a shooter. Yeah. It's not particularly linear, but a damn sure ain't open world. And that was Until Dawn, one of my favorite games this year. Yeah, that's. Um, that's but yeah, there's. I mean, there together. there were a, a ton of you know GTA Five came out on the PC. Obviously, The Witcher Three, Batman Arkham. Not, yeah. not not like small open world games, huge open world no, games. And I, I want to say I don't I say huge. I mean, agree like, that the majority of the AAA content this year, open world. Yeah, and, and so I mean, you were a bit flippant when you know when we first said it. But is there a point at which you become fatigued with that, Brent? No. Is that that you for so for your money? Would you just play open world games forever and not even bother with a? I mean, I suppose I'll get tired of it at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. See, I you know, so I played. Did you play uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order? No. Fantastic, fantastic game. Okay. Uh, as as linear as they get. Um, what I'm interested in is uh, I'm, I'm curious. Can you think of a game, Brent? So I was kind of musing on this topic. I was I was trying to think of a game that um, you know one of the issues with with um, open world games is they struggle to really create a strong narrative. A lot of them do, and part of that is because well, that's debatable, if they but- if they cr- well, no, no. I mean, I, I think I think it can be very challenging, particularly if they make really compelling side quests. Okay, uh, it can frequently make the the main storyline a little bit more challenging, okay. unless they're well expertly. Uh, yeah, all right. I see what you're saying. And, and companies are getting much better at it. So, what I'm wondering is, have you ever played an open world game that was essentially linear until the main narrative ended and then became open world? Um, let me think about that. I know there's listeners right now going, oh, screaming at the at the radio or the. Well, it's just I don't know. Like there might be examples of this that I'm ignorant of, but you know my my exposure to open world games is is through Rockstar's tutelage, starting with Grand Theft Auto Three, mm-hmm. and it's just that Rockstar does this at the time and now about as good as it can be done, and so while those sort of formative years were happening. 
and people like figuring stuff out, um, you know, I might have missed out on some of those experiences that were more lackluster because I think like GTA three, Vice City, San Andreas, uh, you know, during the PS two generation, you know, the the storytelling in those games and the narrative I don't know, like, I've never really struggled with it, uh, because I guess maybe the way that those games taught you to play, which was you do a main story mission, and then you go around and you hit a couple side missions, come back to a main story mission, go out, do a couple side missions, come back, you know, and so they always progressed pretty naturally, uh, whether that was by design or just, you know, I happened into playing them that way, but I don't know, like, I haven't had, I have not had a lot of, uh, of game experiences where people talk about feeling lost and like, you know, I don't, I don't know how to play this game. Like I'm just, I, I'm just going around and like, do I do a main story or do I do a side? Well, yeah, quest I don't think it's as and, much like getting lost. Like you don't know how to do it, but you know, my experience has been with open world games very frequently. Yeah. Um, getting lost in the side missions because they're, you know, like I never finished Skyrim, for example. Right. I, I played a, I did 12 hours in the cat magic castle or whatever, which was awesome. But, I never actually finished the main story of the game because there were so many of those kinds of things. Batman Arkham City, uh, I had never finished. I had to go back and like consciously say, focus on the main storyline, then go do the side quest. Um, Assassin's Creed, I'm, I'm doing almost none of the side quests right now. So basically, uh, it's a problem of you not having any discipline. No, <laughs> that's the problem. That is, that is fundamentally the problem. Yes. Um, no, so... Yeah, okay. So... Uh, you know, and one of the things that impressed me the most about The Witcher, and I think Red Dead, although it's been a while now, is how well innervated those side quests are into the main storyline. Well, yeah, like the pacing, like the way it kind of goes is, you know, it's it's location-based. You know, so you're here, and you're doing side quests related to this area. There's main story stuff that's going on. But, you know, then you move to this area, and there, you know, there's other side quests and main story things. I mean, I, I suppose that the, the the thing that I would say as far as storytelling goes in an open world game, like if somebody tells me to play, I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a really good linear game. Okay. Metal Gear Solid. Uncharted. Yeah. Un- oh. Yeah. Uncharted. Okay. That's a more recent example. That's great. But if somebody, if somebody says, Oh man, Uncharted is such a great game and it's a cool story. Go play it. I play Uncharted. I'm going to get the story of Uncharted and, and I'll be able to talk about it with the person who recommended it. And we'll be able to compare notes and all that. Like red dead, for example, was an interesting one because I had to coach my friends, like, make sure you do this side quest. Like, you're going you're gonna to see a guy here about this time in the game, and then you're going to see him again here. And, like, make sure that you go and you do that, because there's a, there's a possibility that you'll miss out. And so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, in that sense, the open world game is maybe a little bit more clunky. But I guess I just find the experience of playing them so much more engaging that i maybe i just i kind of forgive them for whatever whatever hiccups they do have but yes certainly there is that challenge that that a more linear game doesn't seem to have yeah indeed and so uh you know i was just reading through his article the other games that we forgot were at the end of sort of 2014 far cry 4 and assassin's creed unity and at the beginning of 2016 you have um mirror's edge catalyst hitman dishonored 2 deus ex mankind divided all open world games and 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 uh, don't get me wrong i'm not saying i don't like open world games but there seems that it just seems to be whereas it used to be a few sort of a few open world games a year at the highest level now it seems to be the opposite where it's at least in the last you know sort of 24 month period or 18 months back and six months forward um 
an overwhelming amount yeah. of open world games no and, doubt and about it. Uh, an extremely in my opinion what would be underwhelming amount i'd like to see maybe a better balance and um i don't know i i tend to like them i, I tend to enjoy open world games more than 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 linear games I, I mean you know like the uncharted's and things like that you know are notable examples but i really get into open world games i, I like the experience that they offer i like the the feeling of immersion i get from them i i don't tend to get that feeling of immersion from uh, f- from linear games, when I can kind of set the, the 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 pace myself, when I can kind of you know just inhabit the world and feel like I'm a part of it, that that tends to uh, that tends to elicit a stronger connection from me. Not to say that you know it's the only way I get it, but that 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 is a more reliable method for me personally. Right. So no end in sight for you as to the joys of the open world genre. No, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I could change my mind one day, but it's just I've, of course I've been loving open world games since I, you know, played Grand Theft Auto Three, and I, I, I still love them now. Yep, uh, and I enjoy them too. And but the I fact think that I would open world is a big part of why I like. Absolutely, them. yeah, no, no, and I do too. But I, I would love to see a, a, a few more. I'd like to see for me personally a bit more of a balance. And again, look, I was looking specifically at the end of this year, and there's uh, almost you know very limited to no options. Uh, outside of the open world game, yeah. you know, unless you want to play Call of Duty or if you happen to have an Xbox One Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's not to say there's none. So don't rag on me for saying there's no other games coming out. I know there are, and God damn it if I couldn't play Rocket League forever. But um, So it's an interesting topic. We did have one of our listeners bring this up, and I, I am curious to hear what the outlaws think about this. If people feel, you know, if, if you're somebody who doesn't like uh, open world games, do you feel like there's not much for you to play right now? I mean, if these are games that you don't like, these are a lot of AAA games that you're sort of being left down on. Or are you guys glad that we have so many amazing and deep open world games that are getting so ridiculously large at this point that it could take you, you know, two hours to get across the map, uh, particularly if you were walking? So let us know what you think about that, and then we'll start talking about some open world games on the road. All right, as I said, we are on the road, and as I said, we have some open-world games. <laughs> Three of them, as a matter of There's fact. There's really nothing else to play. Yes, and the one, game that, established. the one game that we're talking about that's not open-world is from, like, a year ago or right. more. Yes. Uh, so, Brent, why don't you start us off? It looks like you've been playing some more. Wait for it. Metal Gear Solid Five. I have indeed, although, you know, I am beginning to, uh, I am beginning to run out of road with Metal Gear Solid Five. I have, I think I am at 74. 6% overall completion at this point. I have finished 100% of the side ops, 157 out of 157. I have at least finished all but two of the main story missions. I'm working on the last two right now that I haven't actually completed. They're both replays of older missions, but on extreme difficulty. And, uh, and they're plenty challenging. And so I've got to finish those two. And then... It's a matter of going back and getting, you know, like six out of six objectives for every one of those main story missions. But while I'm not playing for as long, like in each session, you know, there were times when I'd sit there and play, you know, for like four hours if if I was uninterrupted. And I'm not really doing that so much. Like like I find, and I guess it's just because I'm I'm working on these these missions, and it's easy to kind of get burnt out doing the exact same thing over and over. But um, I, I am continuing to play because I really want to unlock some of the some of the upgraded gear that they just launched. There was a patch, 
I guess it was today, maybe or maybe it was yesterday, but anyway, they just released a patch for the game that uh, put in some new, like, grade 8 weaponry. You know, they, they added, like, another tier to the, uh, to the weapons uh, development. And uh, there's a couple of things there I really want to get, but the requirements are ridiculous. I, I mean, like, all of my sort of teams, you know, like the support unit, the R&D team, they're all at around 70, like, you know, it's a couple 69, a couple 71s, but, you know, all in that zone. And the requirements, the, the, what I really want is I really want to get this, uh, they've got the, uh, they've got a, uh, a trank gun, a, a trank handgun with a unlimited suppressor you can use as an undermount option. So you can, like, stick it on the undermount of, say, your rifle. And I've got a sniper rifle and an assault rifle that both have undermount slots. So this means I can like finally put together my ultimate dream package of having my water pistol, my assault rifle with trank handgun and my sniper rifle with like the grenade launcher. Like that's the thing that I want and <laughs> I'll get it as soon as I upgrade like my R&D team to like 95 or whatever the le- it's like stupid high. So anyway, apparently I'm going to be with this game for a while longer. Uh, apparently, Jesus man. <laughs> I love I, I, uh, I love that I love that as I don't play the game, the numbers aren't are, are not self-referential, right? Yeah. So I was having this conversation before where I was talking to my buddy and we were I was talking about level seven charisma and, and then I had to stop myself and say, first, yes, I'm a grown man at my job on the phone talking about level seven charisma. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then uh beyond that, like it's just the numbers are so arbitrary yeah. from game to game. But yeah, so when you're talking about all your guys are at level seventy I'm kind of thinking like, is there a level cap? What's the level cap? How high can they get? And then yeah. when you when you talk about them being 95, it's sort of a frame of reference. Quite a for bit me. higher, right? Yeah, significantly for somebody out. who's already put you know 200 hours into the game or whatever. Yeah, easily. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so uh, I fired up a few things this week, Brent. I have I picked up Murdered Soul Suspect. If you remember a title, I believe it was from last year. I do remember that. How is it? Um, I only just played maybe the first half hour with my wife. I think it'll be a good game for us to play together. Okay. Um, I, there were some outlaws on the website who said that it was a, it was a good game. It was a decent game, and for eight bucks, it's it'll be a good time. They they talked about control issues and some issues at the end of the game, but so far it's an interesting concept. I just haven't put much time into it. Um, the reason I haven't put much time into it is because up until yesterday, I was playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, yeah. uh, which I continue to enjoy. Uh, I continue to lament the ludicrously long load times in that game. Um, but other than that, I, I keep going back to the game. It continues to be fun. It continues to be beautiful and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I stand by that. I still think it's the best Assassin's Creed in the series. Uh, um, and, and a wonderfully realized London. There's some interesting, uh, plot twists in there that I was not expecting that I can't really get into right now. I want to wait a little bit longer, uh, before we spoil them for folks, but, uh, um, very enjoyable. There had there were a couple outlaws who are getting annoyed with me, saying that it's a, a actually a good game because it's making them want to buy it in this season of uh, Rocktober, November. Um, but totally enjoying it. And then Brent, mm-hmm. I did in mm-hmm. fact pick up Fallout. Oh no, you've got I did. You've got time for another open world game? I know it's How? ridiculous. I so I've been power playing. Uh, Assassin's Creed. I think power playing it. I think I'm careful. I've. Uh, I think I'm. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm into sequence seven. I think there's only eight sequences as far as I know. So I think I'm most of the way through the storyline. Yeah. Um, I, I was so I kind of had committed Brent to to buying one more title this year, um, and initially it was going to be Just Cause three. 
Uh, and then I kind of kept going back and forth between Fallout and Just Cause 3 and Fallout and Just Cause 3 and Fallout and Just Cause 3. And it's actually been an interesting journey. Ultimately, I settled on getting Fallout instead of Just Cause 3. Um, partially because uh, I'm a little concerned that Just Cause 3 is going to be nothing more than a, uh, a destruction simulator. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's it, from what I've seen in the videos, it really is just a, just, you know, it looks like an open world sandbox for destruction. And that's a, which will be fun, but I don't know if it's uh, going to be worth the money necessarily. Um, yeah. And the other piece is, is I started to get on the hype train for Fallout. My good buddy Aaron purchased it. He is, he's more excited for this game than he's been for any game this year. Right. And I kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And all the review when the, I waited till the reviews came out. When the reviews came out, they almost convinced me not to get the game because so many of them had said, um, it, "It's uh, you know, it, it's it's not a huge iteration on Fallout." three but more of a refinement a lot of the reviews had said um but interestingly and they talked about like and and brent i've I've played about two and a half hours into the game and i will tell you so uh very 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 minor spoilers here the game opens up with a cinematic and then it goes into the which by the way was not shown ahead of time which i think is awesome because i had on them in a big way because i had seen the first 45 minutes over and over and over again thinking I had seen the actual opening and I hadn't and it was nice and refreshing to see the the opening uh differently it was it was great but the next 45 minutes I had seen and and I got to tell you in my mind it's like embarrassingly bad the graphics in are, are like in the in the beginning uh until you come out of the vault are like horrible the writing is totally trite it's like embarrassingly bad in that first <laughs> okay bit. um but and then once you cut, and all of them talked about how the the um, creation engine is like completely showing its seams. It looks like it's bursting at the seams. You know, I've already seen people like glitch through the ground and blah 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 blah. I mean, typical Bethesda stuff. Right. Not the the character animations are just fucking awful. Typical Bethesda. Um. Uh. But everyone, almost every one of them, not all of them. The game is, I think, sits at a ninety right now on Open Critic or an eighty nine. Um, many, many, many of them said, but, but none of these things matter. Cause the fact is, is like Skyrim, it's just so well woven together and there's so much to do that. It's all I think about throughout the day. And I will say that I played my, my way through the opening until I got out of the vault this morning, which is mostly tutorial. It's nothing like, you know, crazy, you know, compelling or whatever. And when I went to work today, all I could think about was fall out the, the whole day I was at work, which is a good sign. So uh, as soon as we get off uh, this recording, I will be going back to playing Fallout, uh, and I will let you guys know a little bit more next week. But so far, uh, so far, it's been a good time. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. So far, it's been a good time, and we will talk more about it next week. All right. So let's head into the sunset uh, as we uh, as we round the corner on the last stretch of the show. And uh, Lauren, what is your what is your story for into the sunset tonight? Well, we talked about VR, Brent, when you talked about the poll earlier in the show, and I said we were going to have a little talk later on about the 50% that don't care. Here's where we have that talk. Screw you guys. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, This is a story. Virtual reality video just went mainstream. This is a story uh, that talks about the fact that uh, New York Times, the New York Times, uh, has launched uh, a VR app uh, for their service uh, and can be used currently on the iPhone or Android platform using, uh, you know, like the makeshift sort of Google Cardboard uh, VR. And according to the author, it's very compelling. 
uh, actually. And so uh, New York Times uh, moving into the VR space for some of their news coverage. Yep. And YouTube announced officially that they are supporting YouTube VR, 360-degree uh, videos. I don't know that they're calling it YouTube VR. Do you, Brent? I, they- I think they are calling it YouTube VR, actually. That's such a brilliant, brilliant name. Um, <laughs> it almost but they have itself. they have announced also that they are uh, throwing their hat into the ring. And so, Brett, this is this is just very, very uh, reaffirming about the future of VR. When you have two enormous companies like this uh, already throwing their hats in the ring and launching this kind of media uh, that will be consumed uh, come early next year with the advent, uh, the release of the HTC Vive, the ostensibly the PlayStation VR, and the Oculus Rift. So, right. very exciting. Starting to see it come together. Uh, I know 50% of you don't care, but this will be a very different conversation come next year, I bet. Uh, yeah, I expect that you're probably right. All right, Brian, what do you got for us into the sunset? Well, uh, it's, not the, uh, it's not the story that I was originally going to do. I was originally going to talk about the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter. Uh, Joel Hodgson has, uh, has launched a Kickstarter to try to raise $2 million to... Uh, do a new run of MST3K and hopefully ev- eventually maybe uh, you know get it back onto a cable channel or something like that. But I'm not going to talk about that because uh, while I wasn't listening to you talk about uh, Fallout 4 and some other shit, uh, I was going through my RSS feed here and I saw a story that I think uh, we ought to touch on. Uh, as you may or may not be aware, there was a terminally ill Star Wars fan, a guy named Daniel Fleetwood, whose wife had started a campaign to try and get uh, Disney and Lucasfilm to screen Star Wars The Force Awakens for him early because uh, it was very likely he was not going to live long enough to see the film when it debuts in theaters on December 18th. Uh, and thanks to the overwhelming support of, uh, of people on Twitter, including many of the, uh, the Star Wars films uh, cast, uh, Disney and Lucasfilm did in fact screen an unedited version of The Force Awakens uh, for Daniel at his home in Texas. And I'm just reading here that uh, that he has uh, he has now passed away. He uh, he died, I guess, uh, five days about five days after um, after he uh, got a chance to see the movie. So it's very sad that uh, that he's gone, but it is uh, it, it is some, somewhat comforting, I guess, to us that um, that that uh, that campaign uh, and or that successful campaign was at least able to give him that uh, that last thing which as a big Star Wars fan myself I can I can imagine meant a whole lot to him. So, yep. Very cool thing that they were able to do. All right, Brent, in our ride along, uh we have from Julian What the That that's the name, Julian What the. Hey. Uh writes with Fallout 4 releasing next Tuesday, obviously wrote this before this was recorded. I just wanted to point out how refreshing it is to see a large publisher and development company announce their newest AAA title at E3 with a release date only months down the road, and finally it is upon us with no updates or delay, <laughs> quote, updates, quote, updates or delays. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but aside from the somewhat lengthy first couple of videos for the game, with recent leaks aside, Bethesda didn't feel it was necessary to release a 30-minute beat-by-beat walkthrough of the opening level. They showed a bit to introduce some of the newer features and mechanics, but they, didn't give the story away. they did not give the store away, so to speak. It is just so refreshing to see a leader in the industry show restraint and allow confidence in their property and not jump the gun on the reveal and then push back the date to tease us with countless numbers of dev diaries or walkthroughs for a game that seems to never get any closer to announcing a release date, parentheses, No No Man's Man's Sky. Sky. (laughs) Uh, So I thought this was a great point. I appreciate uh, Julian Watta sharing this with us. It is a great point. It It is. I agree. It's refreshing to see a, a huge studio like this announce at E3, release in the fall, 
no delays or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think it's fantastic, and I think it's a very great point. We appreciate you sharing it with us. Yeah, if only the game wasn't so fucked up uh, in so many ways, as you were just saying. The game is not fucked up. But, All right. Uh, and with, 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 that, the, with the walk animation and the falling through the floor, what do you say? Uh, don't patch all that. But that no, no, no. no. I, there's, I, there's already, the game's been out for 12 hours. There's already like 30 mods on Nexus mods oh, no, for it. Yeah, no kidding. But I, I totally agree. You know, credit, credit where credit's due. We complain an awful lot about companies not doing it right. Let's point out one that is doing it right and that's exactly right you know, like you remember like at e3 i said I, I think you know fucking bethesda stole the show for me like i was really impressed with what they did and they followed through on that here it wasn't it wasn't just a flash in a pan but they obviously are uh they're, they're thinking ahead on this and it's paying off for them so yes hats off to and, them indeed it is all right brett with that we've reached the end of yet another show as usual we want to hear your thoughts on everything we talked about over the last hour whether it's fallout 4 assassin's creed syndicate murdered soul suspect Metal Gear Solid 5, what we talked about while hanging out in the clubhouse whether or not you are fatigued with open world games or if you no. like the huge amount of open world games that we've been getting in yes. the last 18 months and then of course up at the top of the show we talked about Bob Ross's return to Twitch. Ah! The the uh, the announcement or tease that Alan Wake Two will be coming one day. The Fallout Four review embargo embargo, and also the fact that it set uh, records on Steam. The Witcher feature film or the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty backward compatibility launch games. Anything you have to say on any of those topics or anything related to gaming? We are always happy that you're here and being part of the conversation. As usual, he is Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. <laughs> <laughs>